You are listening to weekly messages from Austin Christian Fellowship. For more information about ACF, visit acfellowship.org. Well, how about that for some great throwback images here the first week in August. Oh my gosh, I don't recognize that young man. Good morning, everybody, again. My name is Will Davis, Jr. It is great to see you. Thanks for joining in. Again, we are doing a uh, live broadcast only this morning because of a bit of a Delta variant outbreak in our church. Um, fortunately, nobody's particularly very sick. We have a few that are, but for the most part, everybody's doing great. Pray for us. We intend to be back next weekend. Um, I want to thank uh, John, David, and Candy. I want to thank Chad and Chris. I want to thank Mark and Jason here in, here in the room making this production possible. Everybody else is far and away, and we've had a few people show up at the curb trying to join in, but we're so grateful that everybody's safe and healthy. Um, if at any point during this service, during the week, at any time, the, the, the new catchphrase for Austin Christian Fellowship is ACF Connect. It's not new, but we're putting more weight behind it. Text it to 512-866-9908. Uh, if you'll do that at any point during the week, we can respond immediately and pretty much answer any question you have for small groups, for serving, for giving, for prayer, for opportunities. We're doing it now. If you'll text that during the week, you know, we, this is going to have a lot of notes today, this message is, and a lot of scripture. And if you'll text us, we'll send you back all the notes you're going to see on your screen so you want to try to capture them. We're going to have a lot to offer you today. So um, we're planning also uh, to baptize next weekend still. I really firmly believe we'll be back in church next weekend and we have our baptism scheduled and it's not too late for you to sign up. It's gonna be amazing. And some people I love and care for dearly are getting baptized next weekend. So content you can do through ACF Connect if you want to. ACF Connect, 512-866-9908. Say, tell me about baptism. And we'll sign you up. We'd love to make that a magnificent. We love that we love weekends. We have to cancel church because of baptism, not because of COVID. We're just having so many baptisms. This is really cool. All right, let me pray, and we're going to jump in. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the Spirit that is here in this room, and I trust that He is um, out in living rooms, in cars, and in parks, and broadcasting on TVs and through cell phones and computers right now. And I pray for our church family scattered here and abroad, Lord, that you protect them and bless them. Lord, we pray for an end to this virus, not just because it's bugging us this morning, but because it's affecting so many people Lord, around the world. And you have our attention. We continue to seek you. We continue to pray for healing in this nation, not just from the, the virus, but from the, the, the continual ripple effects of Genesis 3. Lord, I pray as we jump into this new series that you'll really use it to encourage people and to bring to ACF or back to ACF, the men, women, boys, and girls, and seekers of purpose, meaning, and truth that you want to be part of this community. There are some great churches in Austin, and you have people assigned for those churches, and you've got some assigned here, God. And as people kind of consider getting back into church online or in person, as summer is over, I pray that this series will be used to encourage people to show them what we're about and what you're trying to do in us and through us. Lord, um, help me to see through that camera lens into those hearts that are out there right now and um, to honor them with these words and to honor you with these words. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So to all of you who are watching online, and that's pretty much all of you who are watching online, uh, feel free to get your red hearts going. You can raise your hand for information at any time. It's a new experience for some of you to be online. Take advantage of it. It's a great opportunity. 
So we begin a new series today called We Are ACF. Okay, I need some help in the room here. We're gonna do the drum beat. We Are ACF. There you go, okay. Um, you need that. <clears throat> we Are ACF. And this is not a promotional five-week series about our, our church. This is about our values, our mission, the things we hold dear. And we can't cover it all in five weeks. There's some things that are very important to ACF we're not gonna mention in five weeks that we could. We can make this a really multi-week series. But we wanna, as people come back to church here in August, look for churches here in August, or coming out of the woodwork, thinking about getting back in, we thought August would be a great time to revisit some of the things that make us who we are. Because every church has a distinct and unique DNA. And so uh, this week, I get to introduce you to our most important value, which I'll tell you in just a second. The rest of the series is gonna be a riot because you're gonna see a table on the stage and two stools and you're gonna have two teachers the rest of the series. Staff members, this is a great series for our staff to meet you, you to meet our staff and have them share their hearts with you about the respective areas of ministry. So next week, the Reverend Chris Tapkin and myself are gonna talk about our Cornelius call that we are to be generous with our money and generous with our prayers. We'll talk about that. The next week, uh, the 15th of August, Tony Colvin and Tanya Parrott are gonna talk about discipleship and small groups and men's and women's ministry and how you can get connected to those, how they, our strategy to help you grow in Christ, to bring friends, to meet people. They're gonna be amazing. The next week, the 22nd, our very own legendary Julie Washington and the soon-to-be legendary Christian Aarons, our student minister, are gonna talk about our next generation ministries and how we, what we're doing to serve youth and children in our city and raise up, help you raise up disciples of Jesus Christ and finally, the 29th, Michelle Briggins and Spencer um, and Gelke are going to talk about our missions ministry, which is such a heart and soul um, of our church, and give you updates on our homeless initiative, what's going on internationally, what's going on here in the city. And we're having a ministry fair that day after the services to let you have a chance to meet all the staff who's talked and shared and maybe see how you can connect. It's going to be awesome. So buckle up, because today... I get to talk about our most important value. And in a word, our most important value is Jesus. We, um, we really gotta make it very clear to you. We used to, when I used to do membership classes back in the day, we used to say we have a one word theology, Jesus. We are about him, we love him, we worship him, we serve him. Back, you saw some of those ancient videos when we first started Austin Christian Fellowship, I, I was determined as the language of Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, to know nothing among the Austinites but Jesus Christ and him crucified. There's so much doctrine that is secondary. It's important, but it's secondary. There's so many controversies, so many protests and boycotts, and the church is against this, and the church is for this, and the church is against these people. And that has nothing to do with the scriptures and nothing to do with Jesus. And so we have for 28 years really worked hard on um, engaging seekers of purpose, meaning, and truth to know, love, and serve Jesus the Christ. And if you're looking today at Austin Christian Fellowship through a new lens, an original lens, a first-time lens, you've got to know that our hearts beat really fast for Jesus Christ. We are not a religious organization. We're in love. We really are in love and we're humbled and we're in awe of this man 
Jesus the Christ that is alive and well and ruling in the world today and we all get to follow him. The people will baptize next week, jump in with this international symbol of alignment that doesn't need any words, just baptism to follow the king. So what I wanna do today is I'm gonna read a bit more scripture than I normally might and it'll be on your screen and um, I'm gonna kind of let you see some of the, I could do dozens of scriptures, Old and New Testament. I'm just gonna do New Testament today. But I'm gonna kind of hide behind some of the scriptures upon which we hang our hats and then make some assertions to you between the scriptures about what we believe about Jesus. And it's not gonna be comprehensive. I can't say everything we believe about Jesus today, but I'm gonna give you some of the heavy hitters for us. So let me start in the New Testament in John, the first chapter. I'm gonna read some of the first 18 verses, not all of them, but some of the first 18 verses known as the prologue of John. John 1, verse 1 through 18, set up the rest of the book. What John kind of, kind of shows us in the first 18 verses tells us where he's going in his whole gospel through chapter 21. And you'll notice the parallel to Genesis 1 as John begins his gospel. If you hear the phrase, the word, W-O-R-D, that's a reference to Jesus Christ because God spoke, Genesis says, and out came authority and power. Jesus is the spoken word of God, the idea of God, the, the logos, the grand idea of God is Jesus. John 1, 18, verse 1, John 1, verse 1 says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that has been made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Skipping ahead, the word, this is verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory as the only son of God from the father, full of grace and truth. From his grace, excuse me, from his fullness, we've all received uh, grace upon grace. Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the only God who is at the Father's side has made him known. When you're mowing a lawn <laughs> and you hit deep grass, you have to kind of back up lest it choke your mower, right? This is some really deep grass, okay? The loftiness of the preexistence of the word of God, the incarnation, the, the enfleshment God becoming flesh of the word of God and the revealing of a grace and truth, the revealing of God. No one's ever seen God, but Jesus has explained him to us. Now, Colossians, the first chapter, verses 15 through 17, the writer Paul, these are all different biblical writers, by the way. The writer Paul, in one of his many passages about Jesus Christ and his preexistence, his deity, his divinity, says in Colossians 1, verse 15, he is the image of, of the invisible God. If God were to stand in front of a mirror, the reflection of the mirror would be Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Verse 17 says, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. All things consist. He is the force that holds all things together. Again, high cotton, deep grass, don't rush through it. One more passage. The biblical writer of Hebrews. We don't know who wrote Hebrews. There's all kinds of theories we don't know. 
Listen to how the writer of Hebrews begins his epistle. Verse one says, long ago at many times in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in his last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir, the heir of all things. Through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds all things. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. Man, I kind of want to just bring the band up and worship again after all of that. So let me tell you what ACF believes about Jesus and, and have you hopefully adjust to it. Okay. By the way, I'm not here to argue this today. I'm here to proclaim it. Um, there are settings where you'll get and you'll debate and discuss and do apologetics and reason why this is reasonable. I'm not here to do that today. I'm here to, to in, um, in the language of scripture, to proclaim as biblical fact what I'm sharing with you. This is not for discussion. This is not for debate. This is what we believe. And it's, it's, I'm doing more of a declaration today, okay? Just kind of feel the need to get that out there. We're not gonna take a vote on this later on. This is not a platform. This is biblical fact, okay? We believe that Jesus is the eternally existing son of God. He doesn't have beginning or end. He has never been created. He, he has beginning and end in his earthly existence. He became, God became. And then God ascended back into heaven and assumed his rightful place, as Hebrews says, sat down at the right hand of God. But we believe in that, if you go to Genesis chapter one, Verse one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and back up in front of Genesis 1-1, Jesus is there with God, with the Holy Spirit and that amazing, mysterious, unified relationship they have known we call the Holy Trinity. So Jesus, we do not believe in any way to be less than God. Now the phrase son of God is confusing to some because when I give birth to a son, when I, I don't give birth to anything, when my wife gives birth to a son, I'm gonna hear about that one, um, he may have our characteristics, he may have our DNA, but he's distinct from us. And that's true of Jesus. But the, the, in the Hebrew thinking, this goes back to Daniel chapter nine, in the Hebrew thinking, God can't give birth to anything less than God because of what his nature is comes forth when he gives birth to it. So the imagery of the son of God is simply another God, the representation of God in another form. He can't be less than that. So don't let the phrase son of God confuse you. The son of God means he's deity, he's divine. And the scriptures go strong, friends, at asserting the deity of Jesus. This is why Christianity argues so vehemently that there's only one way to God. God did not create multiple paths through multiple humans. He, cre he came as a man, son of God among us and said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Find me through me, not through multiple paths. That's why it's so important. So we believe Jesus to be the eternally existing. He existed before time. He will exist and be worshiped after time. Son of God. Secondly, as the scriptures we just read testify to, we believe that Jesus Christ was present and present at 
and active in creation. I'm a creation lover. This one, this one may get me going. When I stand and look at a star-filled sky, or as I did this past week at a mountain skyline, I'm not just looking at the beautiful creation work of God. I'm looking at the beautiful creative work of Jesus the Christ. He was the tool, the scripture says. Isn't it interesting that God, when he chose to create, spoke. And God said, let there be light. First creative act past the creation of the heavens and the earth. God spoke and it was so. God said and it was so. God, God spoke his word and it was well, That reference to speaking is what John calls the word. It's Jesus Christ. So we want to affirm to you that Jesus Christ was not just a figure who roamed the earth for 33 years in a distant land a long time ago, that he was actually the tool, the present working agency. Uh, Proverbs chapter 8 calls him the wisdom of God. Hebrews says through God's wisdom, he created the heavens and the earth. We know that through faith. Well, that wisdom was Jesus. The scriptures in Proverbs say he was that, that architect working at God's side, carrying out his commands as he created everything. So when you look at the beautiful creation that we have, you are to see the handiwork of Jesus in it. He is not anything less than the very creator of the universe. We believe that about Jesus Christ. We proclaim that to you today. We proclaim to you today that the creator of everything, the scripture just says, by him and for him, whoo, I'm alone in the room getting fired up. This is a little creepy. God, so good. Man, is Jesus. No other religious leader makes that claim, guys. He's distinct for a reason. So we believe that Jesus is the eternally existing son of God. We believe that he was present act and active in creation. He is the tool God used to create everything, including you. You are the handiwork of Jesus. You're not an accident, you're not some cosmic burp. Tweet that one. You're not a cosmic burp. You're the very thing that God formed through his hand, Jesus Christ. Man, okay, let me read you another scripture. Back to the Apostle Paul. Philippians 2. Have this mind among yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who though he was, now listen to this language, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or to hold on to or be stingy with, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. We were singing about this a minute ago. The name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, are you ready? Every knee will bow. What does every mean? Say it, every. Every knee will bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God of God the Father. Scholars think that was actually, we, we sang some songs this morning in honor of our King. Scholars think that that uh, Jesus who in the form of God down through King of Kings, Lord of Lords, to the glory of God the Father was actually an early Christian hymn. That in those catacombs, in those homes, the Christians used to sing quietly to teach their theology to each other. So they think that Paul 
was going along and said, let me tell you who Jesus is. And he quoted, he brought this song from culture that they all knew and quoted it there in Philippians to remind them of what they've been reciting and singing and worshiping in their homes and catacombs and caves in their theology, stuff they already knew, that he was the son of God and he was holy and he was highly exalted and then every knee was gonna bow and proclaim him. Okay, so from that passage, two more assertions. We believe that Jesus died to provide forgiveness for all people and to remove the curse of sin from the earth. That Philippians 2, that he became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. The scriptures teach that at perfect timing in history, God sent his son, his, his deity in human form, who lived a sinless life. We believe Jesus never sinned. It was tempted more than any of us, but never sinned. At the appropriate moment in that thing called his story, at the appropriate time, was lifted up between heaven and earth on that rugged Roman cross with, between two thieves, suspended between heaven and earth as the ultimate um, sacrifice for sin. The scriptures teach without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. And the lamb of God, the final lamb of God was given to, to number one, provide forgiveness for all of us, but also to begin to free creation and humans and the, the universe from the grip of Genesis chapter three, which has gripped us since the garden of Eden when Adam and Eve fell. That's a pretty mighty work, folks. I don't know what's on your resume, but that's pretty impressive. That what God did through Jesus was, number one, I, I say provide forgiveness. He didn't forgive everybody through Jesus. He provided forgiveness. You gotta ask for it. You gotta say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I cry out to you to forgive me and to heal me and to free me from sin. Forgiveness is available to anyone and everyone, regardless of what you've done and how confused you are and how messed up you are and how bad your record may be. It, it is available, but it's not given to everyone. It's available to everyone. You have to ask for it in Jesus' name. We believe that Jesus died on the cross, paid the penalty for sin, caught the, the I like to picture it of the, the comet, the, the comet of the fury of God coming at the planet Earth. And Jesus stepped in and, and took that crushing blow. He was crushed for our iniquities, Isaiah says. So we wouldn't have to be. So forgiveness would be available to all people, but also to begin to redeem the world from this grip of racism and hatred and violence and disease and, and poverty and war and injustice and hatred that has gripped the earth since Genesis chapter 3. That's not going to win the day, folks. And one of the things God began doing, Romans 8 teaches us, when Jesus died on the cross, was began to unravel the satanic hold on the earth. He deceives nations. He has begun, there's a, there's a clock counting down. And the time ends in Revelation chapter 21 when the, the grip of sin is broken finally and Satan is cast into a lake of fire forever and, and what God intended doesn't just get restored, it gets taken to a whole new level. He over-redeems. All of that through the death of Jesus. His history is his story. That's what we believe about Jesus Christ. 
We believe next that Jesus physically rose from the dead on the third day after his crucifixion and he ascended into heaven 40 days later. It's real important. Let me explain the three days because people get confused. He was crucified on a Friday and he rose on a Sunday. How can that be three days? Because the Hebrews start with the day that you're on. That's how Jews count or they did back then. So you start with Friday, that's day one. Saturday's day two, Sunday's day three. And so for them, it was the third day. And the scriptures even talk about the third day back in the Old Testament. So there wasn't any missing this. It was right fulfilled in the plan of God. Friends, we believe in a physical, not metaphorical, a real physical resurrection. We celebrate it every year at this thing called Easter. When we dance and party like there's no tomorrow because it's so good. That, that Jesus rose, that he was dead. He wasn't in a coma. He, wasn't, he didn't faint, as some people try to argue. He was dead as dead can be, and by the Roman says, by the glory of God, he was resurrected. God's glory and God's power are often synonymous. Well, something exploded in that tomb on an early Sunday morning, and the body of Jesus was resuscitated, restored back to life. His spirit was restored. The, tomb, the stone was blown away or rolled away. He was so powerful, he absolutely obliterated the, the psyche of some Roman guards who were there. They were terrified by what they saw. And he rolled out in sheer power, having overcome death. He was dead. And then he made appearances for 40 days, verifying his resurrection, sometimes his crowd as large as 500 people. And at the exact moment, he ascended into heaven. He stood in front of his followers, and he was lifted up into heaven by the clouds and the angels. And the Bible says he's going to come back that same way one of these days. Friends, that's what we believe about Jesus. Do you see the... Um, somewhat elite company he's in, like no one's there but him. What we believe about him is that he's distinct, unique in all of history. And he deserves us to live like that because he's distinct. And he's not one of many great religious leaders, folks. He never said he was a religious leader. He is the son of God who came to die for us, who gives his life for us, restoring history to its right place. Everything's being summed up in him, the scriptures say. And we're here telling and living his story his story. Okay, one more passage. Let me review, just in case you're following along, because I think you are. We believe that he's the eternally existing son of God. We believe that he was present at creation and active at creation. We believe he died to provide forgiveness for all people as you asked for it, and to remove the curse of sin from the earth. Somebody say amen. That's a good one. We believe that Jesus physically rose from the dead on the third day after his crucifixion and ascended into heaven 40 days later. That's what we believe. One more. You guys still with me out there? Buckle up. Okay, Buck, you're going to love this next one. Maybe. Let me read to you from Revelation chapter 19. John says, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it was called Faithful and True. In righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire. And on his head are many diadems, crowns. He has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. There it is again. He is the word of God. There's a sword coming out of his mouth. That's God's word. The armies of the heaven, the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. 
From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He's going to judge the nations by his word. Have you honored my word? He will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's a bit of a shift to the come ye who are weary, come ye who are broken, come lay down your sins at the foot of the cross that we just sang. Because the scriptures teach, and I'm going to assert this to you, that there is a shift coming in history. When the invitation ends and the discussion ends and the mockery ends and the debate ends and the making fun of ends and the, the blasphemy ends and the king is going to return and bring in his train righteousness and justice, the train of his robe. And that we're going to see Jesus in his eternal pre-Genesis 1, post-Revelation 21, his eternal ruling form. And the, the wrath he's coming to bring was only intended for the devil and his henchmen, the, the angels who fell with him. But it will be extended to any person who has understood the nature and claims and word of Jesus Christ and rejected it. That judgment's going to be extended to them, to those who've looked at the God of creation and said, nah, I'm not impressed. So here's our final assertion. We believe that Jesus is coming back to establish righteousness and justice on the earth. Righteousness and justice could be summed up as simply his kingdom. I want you to understand very clearly how we feel about this. We do not think that, his, that, that we've seen the last of Jesus in his physical form. He's here now in the form of the Holy Spirit. But the scriptures in both testaments proclaim that the son of God is going to return and deal with his enemies in a swift and eternal and, and final authoritative fashion and all this debate and mockery and putting him under the bus in the language of Hebrews, treading, treading his blood under our feet, Hebrews says, stamping on his blood and mocking him. That's all. God's got patience with that for a while because he wants all people to know him. But back to that reverse winding down clock, the scripture says the day is coming when he's going to say, we're done. And he's going to sum up all things in history, close the book on history. The, book of that, the title of that book is called Jesus. And the ruling son of God, the ruling king of kings and lord of lords is going to come in his rightful um, robes and on his throne and in his rightful kingdom no longer just the suffering servant of Isaiah, no longer with nail, nail prints in his hands and come you who are weary, that's, that day is gonna be over and he's gonna rule and he's gonna reign and every knee is gonna bow and every tongue is gonna confess the lordship of Jesus. I've got goosebumps. We believe that day is coming. We believe it could be today. We believe it could be a thousand years from now. It doesn't matter. We believe and know that day is coming and we are instructed in scripture to live like it, like he could come at this instant. And you are instructed to do the same. Well, I could give you many more assertions, but those are the ones I want to tee up today. We believe in Jesus. We love Jesus. 
You're never going to find us straying far from him. Okay, so, so what, the way this series is going to go, as I conclude this, is every person who teaches, the two teams, that, the teams that teach from here on out, including myself, but going forward, I ask the teachers to do two things. We're going to give you a promise, and we're going to make an ask. We're going to give you a request from the respective ministries. Missions is going to give you a promise about missions. Next Gen is going to give you a promise about next gen. Uh, we'll talk next week from our prayer and giving ministries. We'll give you a promise about that. But then we're also going to say, in light of that promise, here's our request. So here's first the promise from me as the senior pastor and as an elder of this church. Um, the promise is real simple. We're going to always do our best to honor, promote, and obey Jesus Christ, period. We have a, we have a filter through which we look at everything. Does this honor Jesus? Is this biblical? Does it assert the authority of Jesus Christ? And if that filter, if it doesn't pass that filter test, we don't do it. We don't say it. We don't worship it. We don't sing it. We don't go there. So I, I want to give a promise to you as your senior pastor that for however many years God allows us to be a church and to, to honor him and exalt him, we're not going to stray from Jesus. And if that puts us at odds with culture or with other churches or with whatever, okay, but Jesus was at odds with a lot of people because of what he said. And we're not trying to pick fights, but you need to understand we're not negotiating on this thing called Jesus. We're in with him and, to, and, to, and with his word and with his value system and with his heart and with his mission to bring all people to him with his view on sin. We're, we're in with him. And as far as, we, as far as we can, as far as it's up to us, we're not going to stray from that. We're not going to discuss, well, if we go this part of Jesus' teaching, it might get us in trouble. We trust him. We trust him. And so our promise to you, if you're looking for a church that's going to bet the farm on Jesus, you can choose this one because we have and we will continue to do so, to do our best to honor, promote, and obey Jesus. Now here's the ask. In light of our promise to honor, promote, and obey Jesus, we ask you to do the exact same. That's it. Our ask of you, as, a, as if you're going to be a follower of Christ at Austin Christian Fellowship, if you choose to be part of this congregation, this fellowship, then we ask that you do your best to honor, promote, and obey Jesus the Christ. That is our mission. We want it to be yours as a Christ follower. That is simply the command of Scripture summed up in a sentence. So when people bump into us, it becomes pretty clear, as I said at the top of this message, that we are a people in love with, surrendered to, following, and worshiping, and obeying Jesus. Will you be that? I'm asking you right now, if, you, if you'd be that. Christians, would you again commit, a reassert, to that extreme commitment I talked about back on July 4th of honoring, promoting, and obeying Jesus. And to you who are watching right now who are not yet Christ followers, would you raise your hand online and say, I want to begin to follow Jesus right now because I know he's King of kings and Lord of lords. He died for me, and I want to be part of his family in history, internationally, and around the world, and eternally, and I want to be there when he comes back, and I want to be on the right side of history, which is his. You can raise your hand right now and say, Lord Jesus, forgive my sin, come into my life, and he will save you.
He's everything, friends. Everything we say in the weeks to come doesn't matter if we don't have him. Would you do that? Again, you can text ACF Connect to 512-866-9908. You've heard our heart. You're gonna hear more of it in the coming weeks, but folks, this is our bottom line. We serve an awesome, ruling, and reigning Savior. And his name is Jesus. And he can be yours. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for this time. I felt your presence here. I felt your power. I pray your blessing in every home, living room, wherever people are right now worshiping and, and listening. I pray, I wanna thank you for giving us the amazing Son of God. We honor and exalt him today as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Lord, when he returns, may you find us faithful at whatever cost to the name of Jesus. May people right now respond and embrace you and accept you and, and join this wonderful family, the Church of Jesus Christ, through their faith. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.